welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. So I want to just jump straight in. I'd like us to go, if you've got your Bible with you, or jump on your phone to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 4. And this is the story where an angel of the Lord is speaking with Moses at the burning bush. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. A couple of months ago when, um, <clears throat> when I was given this, this chapter and put on the preaching roster, I um, was sitting with the Lord saying, what do you want to show me about this chapter? What is it you want to show me? Um, and I heard him very clearly say, this is holy ground. And to be honest... Um, I didn't really get it anyway. I went, and, I went and read. I read chapter 15 of Mark a few times. And, um, and I didn't really get it. I'm just being really honest. Chapter 15 is about the trial, the death and the burial of Jesus. And, um, and I must say, in those first few weeks, I was also feeling really... Um, Bummed, is that a rude word? <laughs> um, because I always, in my mind, when I got the, got the roster, I thought, oh, fantastic. Death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And then I read the chapter, and chapter 15 is the trial, the death, and the burial of Jesus. And verse 1 of chapter 16 is the resurrection of Jesus. And um, I must say, for a little while, my heart was a bit downcast and I was like, Lord. And then he said to me, this is holy ground. And I didn't get it straight away. But I've been slowly getting, you know, just a snippet of it. And it's good. <laughs> and it's been blowing my mind. And um, I, feel, I feel a real weight in my heart today, um, just for what the Lord's been revealing to me. And it's a very simplistic message. I don't feel like it's a deep message. I feel, like, I feel like the cross is so mysterious and it's only the spirit of the Lord that can reveal what Christ did there. And um, so just going to jump in. So with this God saying to me, holy ground, um, one of the things that I realised that if this chapter was missing out of this book, if chapter 15 wasn't in here, God might still be saying to us today, don't come near. Take off your sandals. The place where I'm standing is holy. He might be saying, prepare the sacrifice for slaughter, which is what they had to do to come into his presence, didn't they? For thousands of years. Well, God did prepare the sacrifice for slaughter. And his invitation now is for us to come. He says, come to me. 
He ripped the veil from top to bottom. And this is the good news. This is what we're talking about today. So keep that in your heart. So chapter 16, the resurrection that, that Pastor Josh is going to get to preach about next week could never have happened without chapter 15. Amen? Happening. The trial, death and burial of Jesus is most definitely holy ground. It can also be hard to understand. I don't think I'm the only one in the room why it had to happen this way. Why did it have to happen this way? In Mark's Gospel, there's a sense of secrecy about the Messiahship of Jesus. It's declared and it's discerned and, and then Jesus says, don't say anything about it. There's this sense of secrecy. There's a mystery about the cross of Christ. But Jesus did give his disciples a couple of clues, very clear clues about what was to happen to him. And just want to have a quick look at these. In Mark 8, 31, yeah, I've got that here. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 31, Mark says that, and he began, Jesus, to teach them. So they were walking along the road together. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days, rise again. So we know that Peter rebukes Jesus. <laughs> um, and Jesus responds to Peter with, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So that was Jesus' first prediction. The second prediction is in chapter 9, verse 30, where he tells them some similar, a similar account. And it says that they didn't understand what he was talking about. And then his third prediction is in Mark chapter 10, verse 32 to 34. And I'm just going to ask Rainer if he would read these verses for us. Excuse, excuse. All right, here we go. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was happening to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. They're pretty good clues, aren't they? In, in Luke's Gospel, he tells us what the disciples' reaction was to this account. Just read that for us, Rona. Luke 18, 34. They understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. Mm. Have you ever had the experience of knowing that God has said to you to go this way, and you heard what he said, but you run this way? <laughs> ever done that? <laughs> he said... Do this, and I've done that. Ever since God drawing you into a place where you just need to trust him, many, many times, Holy Spirit draws us and we, we know that he's asking us to trust him. And what do we do? We say, no, nah. <laughs> no, nah, don't understand. 
don't understand what you're doing. We can choose to just keep wandering around and around the mountain sometimes. So, so central is the theme of the cross in Mark's Gospel that some have described chapter 1 to 14. So we've just spent the last couple of months going from chapter 1 to 14. Some have described it like this giant introduction with all 14 chapters leading into these last two chapters of the Gospel, chapter 15 and 16. It's like this action-packed highway filled with all the authority of Jesus, the miracles and the power, all the immediately's, all the declarations and the amazements of his teaching and the wonders and, and everything that he's done. And it's like it all, all the drama, it all converges and lands in chapter 15 at the death of Jesus. And so as we arrive at this pivotal point in chapter 15 of this gospel, this pivotal point of not only the gospel of Mark, but of all human history, the, t the disciples have fled. Those that haven't fled are in despair and they're in mourning and their hearts are troubled. And um, they're troubled because they're not looking for the resurrection And they were not looking for the resurrection because they didn't understand the cross. That picture can go up. Thank you, boys. They didn't understand the cross. Do we understand why the Son of God needed to suffer and be crucified? Do we understand that the cross was God's plan? It was always his plan. He didn't have a plan B. The cross was his perfect plan. It's the great mystery of all time. I don't think that Jesus enjoyed death. Do you think he enjoyed it? I don't think he enjoyed death. And dying is not something that we enjoy talking about. And, and I just want to put out here that if... if Talking about this today upsets you. I apologise and, and I just pray the peace of the Holy Spirit in your heart as the Holy Spirit moves and works in this room today and does what he wants to do and shows us what we need to see. Peter's rebuke of Jesus when he told him that he was going to die and that he was going to be tortured and betrayed, his rebuke shows him that he certainly didn't believe or realise that that needed to happen. Sometimes conquering doesn't look like conquering. We've been made more than conquerors. But it's true, isn't it? Sometimes conquering doesn't look like conquering. In 1 Colossians 1 verse 18, it says this, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. From God's view, from God's vantage point of the cross, something very different was going on than what all the characters in this book, what all those characters were seeing, understanding, expecting and believing. God always had a plan. 
and his plan was perfect. Not only did Jesus reveal his plan and tell the disciples what was going to happen really clearly, but the Old Testament prophets, they shouted it loudly. They declared it loudly. The psalmist in Psalm 22 describes in detail what the Messiah would go through a thousand years before it happened. If you get time later today, go and read Psalm 22. It's a picture of the cross. Jesus told his disciples what was going to happen to him. He told his disciples what was going to happen to them. And look at this, so much of what happened, so much of what he told them they were going to go through, he went through. This vantage point of the cross, God's view, he really wants us to get it. And yet just like Eve, just like the children of Israel, just like the disciples who sat with him and ate with him and talked with him and walked with him and listened to him, we too can be slow of hearing, unbelieving, filled with fear sometimes and even blind. The good news, (laughs) oh, it's such good news. The good news is that our Father wants to reveal to each one of us the power and the wisdom of the cross and what it means for us. Amen. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says this, Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. It's okay that we don't know everything. It's one of the ways that he loves us to walk with him in that childlike disposition that he's got and we're not. And yet he's promised that he wants to show us and tell us all things. Ephesians 1 verse 9 says, He made known, made on that, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure that He purposed in Christ. So, my question is should we turn away when we don't understand what He's doing? We can. But we may get stuck, I saw the picture, we may get stuck in the miry clay of our own will. And not his. Should we go along with the crowd? Just do what everyone else is doing? Oh, that can feel so much better. (laughs) It's like usually convenient and the easier way. We can. We can go with the flow. We can do what everyone else is doing. can take the, the easier path, but we may miss out on the resurrection life that he longs for us to experience and that is planned for those who love him. So today I can't reveal the mystery of the cross to anyone in this room today. (laughs) Oh, I'm so relieved. But the Holy Spirit can and he longs to. So can we just close? I'm just going to pray really quickly. Can you just close your eyes with me? Holy Spirit, we humbly, we humbly and joyfully just ask right now, would you help? Would you help us to hear? And see and receive the truth of the cross of Jesus that you want to reveal to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So my second point is the suffering. So we're in chapter 15. 
Just previously to this chapter, there were sham trials with the Sanhedrin that Jesus had to go through. The disciples have fled and abandoned him and Jesus is taken to the Roman governor, Pilate, the only person in, in Jerusalem that had the authority to give him a death sentence to execute him. So even though it's not a nice subject, I want to talk about crucifixion. I think it's pertinent and relevant when we're looking at the cross. So here's a, here's a definition. Crucifixion is a type of public torture. Public. Oh, isn't that just hideous already? Public torture designed to kill someone slowly and with the maximum level of pain a human being can endure without losing consciousness. Before the crucifixion, before that, there was torture. Mark's account tells us that Pilate ordered, ordered the whipping and the flogging of Jesus' bare skin. This was called scourging. And 700 years before this horrendous day occurred, Isaiah described the results of the scourging in chapter 52, verse 14. Can you read that, please, Raina? So marred was his appearance beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of mortals. We don't know what specifically killed Jesus. We know it wasn't the beatings. It wasn't the crown of thorns thrust into his head. It wasn't the nails in his hands. It wasn't the nails in his feet. It probably wasn't the spear in his side. It was most likely a combination of shock because of all the blood loss, heart failure and the inability to take another breath. All of that summed up in one word is called suffocation. And on a cross it's slow suffocation. Jesus, the promised Messiah, my Jesus, the Son of God, suffers this excruciatingly painful kind of death six hours of slow suffocation. So he was crucified. He was crucified plus. This is my plus. These are pluses. He was crucified plus he knew it was coming. He knew what to expect. This is his book. <laughs> this is his book. He wrote it. He knew what was coming. That's even more painful. He suffocated slowly and he knew that it was coming. Luke tells us, oh, this has got me for the last six or seven weeks. It's been like pounding in my head. Luke tells us that he steadfastly set his face towards Jerusalem. Isaiah put it this way. He set his face like flint, like flint toward the torture, like flint toward the scourging. I can't imagine it. Can you imagine it? He knew how bad it was going to be. Plus, one of his closest friends betrayed him. Plus, one of his closest friends denied him. Three times more pain. Plus, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, his chosen people turned against him. The whole, it says the whole crowd, everyone in the crowd turned against him. 
possibly some of those who had been healed or had seen him healing people a few days before, they were the ones crying out, crucify him. Plus, he was a victim of the Roman Empire's cruelty, scorn and mocking. Plus, he was completely innocent. A perfect, spotless lamb. Plus, everybody knew it. Pilate knew it. Plus, they chose to release a criminal instead of him, knowing how guilty the criminal was and how innocent Jesus was. Look at the mess. What a mess. Look at all the suffering. That's what they were thinking. What is going on? I often ask myself, would I have fled? Would I have been led by the crowd? Would have I been screaming, crucify him? So this was the worst death. This was the worst punishment. So in the same way that you could not write a more tragic story about his death, you couldn't write a more beautiful story about his love. The message of the cross, the crucifixion of the Son of God is the greatest love story It's the greatest love story. It's the greatest love story of all time. As brutal and painful as the death of Jesus was, God wants us to know. He wants us to grasp this morning. Put your hand on your heart just for a wee second. God wants us to grasp how deep and how wide his love is. 1 John 4.10 says, This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We need to understand how high and how far his love went for each one of us. The power of his love, the cost of his love. It's about our freedom. Galatians 5.1 tells us it was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for your freedom, the pain, the torture. It was for your freedom. There is no more beautiful life than a life with Jesus. That's my testimony today. There is no more beautiful life than a life with Jesus. There is no more fulfilling life than a life that has lived in the arms of the Father and he wants to hold you. No more life fulfilling than a life in the arms of the Father. Plus, he is preparing a home for you in heaven. Plus, you know he's coming again. Plus, He now considers you his best friend. We are friends of God. Plus, we are no longer slaves to sin. Amen. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us in this room, we went astray. We've turned every one of us to our own way. Sometimes we do it every day. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity 
of us all. The three hours of darkness on the cross, he was covered with your iniquity, my iniquity. We are no longer slaves to sin, amen. Plus, you are now completely innocent and not found guilty. Amen. Plus, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, that's one of the first revelations I ever had as a baby Christian, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If you feel condemned or someone's condemning you, it's not Jesus. Just throw it off and get rid of it. Plus, you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. Plus, all the demons in hell and on earth, they know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? Woo! Plus, he is your peace who has broken down every wall. No wall is too high, no wall is too wide. Every wall. Plus, he hides you under the shadow of of his wings. Plus, you belong to his body. He's adopted you into his family. Plus, he has given you all authority to rule over demons, pain, sickness, worry, anxiety, fear, serpents and scorpions. The blood of Jesus. Plus, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Plus, nothing, 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 nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Plus, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Amen. Woo! It's for freedom he has set us free. Amen. Just going to ask Rainer, just as we come to a close now. I'm going to ask Rainer if he would read from Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Thanks, Rainer. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Great. Jump down to verse 38. Thanks, Rainer. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. The shed blood of Jesus on the cross, the torture, the pain, the denial, the loneliness, the suffering, it paid for your freedom. It paid for my freedom. I want us just to take a couple of minutes now just just to sit with him. You can sit in your chair and just close your eyes. You Feel very free to come and, and, and kneel down at the front if you want to before him. I just want to take a couple of minutes just to present ourselves to God afresh. Just to ask the Holy Spirit to teach us what it looks like to live in this freedom that Jesus' blood paid for. 
My prayer is also that some of you will leave today with Paul's cry in your heart. I will be, for I determine not to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. Just as we're waiting with him. Maybe your prayer today is I want to set my face like flint. I want to steadfastly set my face towards the lane, the path, the will that you have for me, Lord, not mine. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe your prayer today is I don't understand your ways, Father. I don't understand your free grace. I don't understand how you could die for me. Help me to understand, Lord. Maybe your prayer today is I want to know Christ and Him crucified. I want to know the power of your resurrection. I'm hungry for a fresh revelation, Father. I'm hungry, Lord. Maybe your prayer today is I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to experience the freedom that I see in others. I want the abundant life that you've promised to be my reality. Help me, Lord. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.